Hello, folks. Thank you for tuning in. We have another Federals paper, paper episode. It's going to be Federals number 82. It is titled The Judiciary Continued, written by Alexander Hamilton, July 2nd, 1788. Topics include concurrent powers of state and federal courts, relationship between the state and federal court systems. So in this paper, Hamilton, he kind of challenges uh, the contentions that the federal judiciary will take away states' states rights in having their own uh, independent judiciary systems. And uh, so, so he pretty much confronts this. He starts to talk about the relationship that we're going to have between the state and the federal court systems. He states, and I quote, The erection of a new government, whatever care or wisdom may distinguish the work, cannot fail to originate questions of intricacy and nicety. And these may, in a particular manner, be expected to flow from the establishment of a constitution founded upon the total or partial incorporation of a number of distinct sovereignties. Tis time only that can mature and perfect so compound a system, can liquidate the meaning of all the parts, and can adjust them to each other in a harmonious and consistent whole." End quote. This is a really nice piece of just uh, literature in a general sense, this this paragraph that he starts off with. But he really establishes what the uh, fundamental value of a republic like the United States, a federalism-like structure, where you do have some sovereignty in these distinct states, which he calls them, he calls them distinct sovereignties. And they're going to have some power, but then at the same time, you're going to have a federal head that as well has just a, some broad power. Um, so then he goes on next, he states, and I quote, Such questions accordingly have arisen upon the plan proposed by the convention, and particularly concerning the judiciary department. The principle of these respect uh, the situation of the state courts in regard to those causes which are to sub to be submitted to federal jurisdiction is this to be exclusive or are those courts to possess a concurrent jurisdiction if the latter in what relation will they stand to the national tribunals end quote so he's just asking questions so so is there going to be some sort of concurrent jurisdiction concurrent powers in the state as well as the federal uh, courts so hamilton actually argues and i quote the principles established in a former paper teach us that the state will retain all pre-existing authorities which may not be exclusively delegated to the federal head, and that the exclusive delegation can only exist in one of three cases, where an exclusive authority is, in express terms, granted to the Union, or where a particular authority is granted to the Union, and the exercise of a like authority is prohibited to the states, or where an authority is granted to the Union with which a similar authority in the states would be utterly incompatible. So I'm going to, uh, end quote, so I'm going to break that down in a much simpler sense. And and he's talking about, so the Constitution, the establishment of the Constitution, it recognizes the sovereignty of these individual states. And these individual states will retain, retain all of their pre-existing authority and power, but a few specific instances where they will lose some of their power, and that power will be either given to the people or the federal government. Uh and it's the cases that are to be handled by the federal courts are those where the exclusive authority is granted specifically in the Constitution to the Union, such as a Navy and a federal army that is specifically granted in the Constitution, coining the dollar, uh, what are other things, establishing what the federal budget is going to be every single year, providing the national defense. That is all authority that is only specifically granted to the Union. Now, 
additionally, where the state is conflicting with the powers of the union. So that is another authority that they're going to lose. Let's say the state of New Jersey said no one's allowed to own firearms. Uh, the Second Amendment says everyone's allowed to own firearms and defend their family and defend themselves. So that would be something that's conflicting with the union. Therefore, that is a, that would be a power that would have been lost through the establishment of the Constitution. And uh, the very last one, and, and the authority... And where the authority is granted to the union and the state authority is incompatible. So yes, if you somehow give a state the ability to provide for their defense, let's say the state has an army now or a uh, military that's that's funded through taxpayer dollars, that cannot be done because the federal, the federal government through the Constitution says specifically that the national defense will be provided for by the federal government through the you know the military. I don't I don't think it specifically says army. It might like once or twice. In the Constitution, but I know specifically, definitely says Navy. It establishes a Navy, no doubt. Um, yeah. So, in other words, the federal courts will handle the measures stated in, in earlier papers, those laid out in the Constitution, or anything that is conf in conflict with the constitutional authority. So, the provision reads, and I'm quoting here, and this is from the Constitution: "The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court." And in such inferior courts as the Congress shall from time to time ordain and establish, end quote. So I kind of mentioned this, I think, in our very last paper that we talked about. Uh, yeah, so the judicial power is to be vested in the, and of the United States, of the United States meaning the Union. It shall be vested in one Supreme Court and additionally in inferior courts, which the Congress themselves shall ordain and establish. It's pretty simple, pretty clear cut. So next he goes on, he states, and I quote, the first excludes, the last admits, the concurrent jurisdiction of the state tribunals, and as the first would amount to an alienation of state power by implication, the last appears to me the most natural and most defensible construction, end quote. So yeah, he's pretty much just saying we're going to have a uh, concurrent jurisdiction. Concurrent mean happening at the same time. There will be state tribunals as well as a federal tribunal or federal appellate courts and the Supreme Court. They can both work you know, coordinate between amongst each other, but we know that the supreme authority of the union of the Constitution is in the Supreme Court and some of these federal inferior courts. So next he states, and I quote, It is not equally evident in relations in relation to cases which may grow out of and be peculiar to the Constitution to be established for not to allow the state courts a right of jurisdiction in such cases can hardly be considered as the abridgment of a pre-existing authority. I mean not, therefore, to contend that the United States, in the course of legislation upon the objects entrusted to their direction, may not commit the decision of causes arising upon a particular regulation to the federal courts solely. If such a measure should be deemed expedient, but I hold that the state courts will be divested of no part of their primitive jurisdiction further than may relate to an appeal, and I am even of opinion that in every case in which they were not expressly excluded by the future acts of the national legislation, they will, of course, take cognizance of the causes to which those acts may give birth. End quote. So he's what he's what he's referring to is the state courts are still going to have a concurrent jurisdiction. They're going to have the power to see cases in their state specifically. The only things they're not going to be able to see, the most specific sense, is ones including foreign powers, uh, cases also including admiralty, maritime operations, and where states are a party in the case. Uh, let's say New York is suing New Jersey. Those are the only ones that they don't have the power to see on a root base 
local level. Now, if I go and I do some something stupid with my firearm, with my gun, yes, there was DC versus uh, Heller. Heller versus DC. So if I did something stupid with my gun, let's say I got up to, at first it was, you know, Mike versus versus where I live, and then it's Mike versus New Jersey, and then I would continue to appeal it, it would get up to, uh, at some point it would get up to a Supreme Court, or a uh, first it would hit a inferior federal district court of appeals first, and then it would eventually get up to the Supreme Court if it's not litigated by that time. So Hamilton, he argues, to not allow for state courts to judge constitutional cases, and, and I quote, can hardly be considered as an abridgment of a pre-existing authority, which you mentioned before. It's not an abridgment of a pre-existing authority by telling them, hey, there's things that are specifically laid out in the Constitution, and that is only of the federal discretion. So furthermore, he states, and I quote, when in addition to this, we consider the state governments and the national government as they truly are in the light of kindred systems and as part of one whole. The inference seems to be conclusive that the state courts would have a concurrent jurisdiction in all cases arising under the laws of the Union where it was not expressly prohibited, end quote. So pretty much the state courts can see almost all cases uh, in terms of freedom of speech cases, right? You have the First Amendment that defines the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of establishment, uh, freedom of protest, freedom of, freedom of the press. So it has all of those freedoms, right? If there is any abridgment of those freedoms by the government... It can be seen in a state court first. Then eventually it continues to go up the ladder if it's not settled in that state court. Then it goes to a district appeals court. Then it continues to go up till it hits the Supreme Court if it's never actually resolved uh, at that point. So next it goes on, um, what do we have here? The courts of the state would work as an auxiliary. Oh, this is interesting that I uh, mentioned this. The courts of the state would work as an auxiliary auxiliary in the ex execution of the laws of the union, but an appeal will naturally lie in that of the national courts to make the ultimate decision, as in the district court of appeals. This uh, concept is to save money and time instead of every case being carried out to the Supreme Court. It may be solved from the state and district courts of the union, rather, and much more on a localized level. Uh, so next he goes on to state, and I quote, The Constitution in direct terms gives an appellate jurisdiction to the Supreme Court in all the enumerated cases of federal cognizance in which it is not to have an original one, without a single expression to confine its operation to the inferior federal courts, the objects of appeal, not the tribunals from which it is to be made, are alone contemplated. From this circumstance and from the reason of the thing, it ought to be construed to extend to the state tribunals, end quote. Yeah, so the, there's certain, in direct terms, given appellate jurisdiction to the Supreme Court in all enumerated cases of federal cognizance in which, original one, without a single screen, come on. Oh, okay. That's the tribunals from which it is be made or not contemplated. Yeah, so there's certain things in the Supreme, I guess those maritime operations, those admiralty uh operations those specifically have to go to the supreme court the foreign operations as well any foreign cases those go directly to the supreme court and it's laid out in the constitution that way it doesn't actually go to a district court and because of that it, it also just says that relates the same way to state courts things like that never even hit the state court they just go straight to the supreme court because those are much more worldwide um phenomenons so next it goes on to state in a quote Agreeable to the remark already made, the national and state systems are to be regarded as one whole. The courts of the latter will, of course, be natural auxiliaries to the execution of the laws of the Union, and an appeal 
from them will as naturally lie to that tribunal which is destined to unite and assimilate the principles of national justice and the rules of national decisions. The evident aim of the plan of the convention is that all the causes of the specified classes shall, for weighty public reasons, receive their original or final determination in the courts of the Union. To confine, therefore, the general expressions giving appellate jurisdiction to the Supreme Court to appeals from the subordinate federal courts instead of allowing their extension to the state courts would be to abridge the latitude of the terms and subversion of the intent contrary to every sound rule of interpretation. End quote. So, once again, he's just saying that there's going to be a system to this game. There's going to be the state courts. There's going to be the appeals, the district appeal courts. And then it'll go all the way up to the uh, the Supreme Court. And that's, that's really it. And the, that's for the execution of the laws of the Union, uh, specifically. So, yeah, they will work as a auxiliary to those laws of the Union. But there's specific laid out instances where it has to go directly to the Supreme Court. So, in summation, the federal court is, in general, uh, is to work on original cases and that of appeals. But cases mostly will arise on the district or state level. And if the case isn't settled and it is appealed or related directly to the Constitution where it is the Supreme Court's jurisdiction, it will be taken up to the, the chain to the federal courts and eventually it will hit the Supreme Courts if it cannot be resolved by some of these district courts. But for the most part, state courts will handle most of these cases unless if they are laid out uh, under the jurisdiction of the federal judiciary or appealed to, to a federal court. This is a good point, you know. Uh, so he ends this one, and I, I it's going to be a long quote here, and I felt like I had to put it all together because it kind of wraps it up in a very solid way. So he states, and I quote, The plan of the convention in the first place authorizes the national legislature to constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court. It declares in the next place that, and I'm quoting, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior, inferior courts as Congress shall ordain and establish. And it then proceeds to enumerate the cases to which the judicial power shall extend. It afterwards divides the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court into original and appellate, but gives no definition of that of the subordinate courts. The only outlines described for them are that they shall be inferior to the Supreme Court and that they shall not exceed the specified limits of the federal judiciary, whether their authority shall be original or appellate or both, is not yet declared. All this seems to be left to the discretion of the legislature, and this being the case, I perceive at present no impediment to the establishment of an appeal from the state courts to the, subord the subordinate national tribunals, and many advantages attending, attending the power of doing it may be imagined, it would diminish the motives to the multiplication of federal courts and would admit of arrangements calculated to contract the appellate jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, end quote. So what he's saying, this is, this is just very broad. He said this is a very broad constitutional provision that we have here. We have the judicial powers is going to be vest of the union, shall be vested in one Supreme Court, as well as a bunch of these inferior courts. That shall be established and ordained by the Congress. There's there's nothing other than that. That is the very general sense of the word. We don't even have in the Constitution how many court justices there should be. Uh, we just have a very, very rudimentary way of how the system is to work. Uh, I think it's very underrated. I think the judicial system in America is very underrated. I think it's very solid. Uh, it's not really 
extremely corrupted. I think that people are corrupted, which kind of makes systems look more corrupted than they actually are. And I think that's just the fallibility, once again, of man. It's amazing. This document is, is I mean, once you go through these Federalist Papers, you realize uh, that they thought about everything. The founders, the framers, they thought about everything. Uh, and, they, and they analyzed everything. And they tried to find the best, most perfect form of government that they could that they could uh, make. And yes, he's saying you're going to have these these state courts. They're going to be, you know, they're, they're everything. They're going to be auxiliary. They're going to see some sort of constitutional cases, but not you know specific constitutional cases in terms of foreign powers, uh, interstate conflict, and maritime admiralty. Uh, cases they're not going to see those cases but they're going to see you know on the very root level some of these local cases then eventually if it gets continue to appeal up it's going to get itself to the supreme court now how they lay out the appeals process and some of these district courts that now is of the legislative um discretion how they how they plan on handling it which you know that's true and thus far it hasn't been terrible i mean i know the democrats are trying to pack the court system especially the supreme court they want to pack it to, to fundamentally change the composition of the Supreme Court. And we're going to see what happens. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe it will. I don't know how much more people can handle at this point. I think that the government is looking very tyrannical. From what I see online, the liberals aren't shouting about how great Joe Biden's administration is thus far. So I don't really know exactly what their positions are going to be in the near future. If, if they're going to feel as adamant about going out and voting especially in this next midterm election. I'm not really exactly sure. But yeah, that'll, that will uh, end this one. I really appreciate everybody tuning in as always. Please like, share, subscribe, drop the mic, let people know about the podcast. And uh, yeah, that will conclude this one. We're going to have 83, 84, and 85. So we have three more left. We're kind of winding down on this. Uh, and that'll be it. Yeah. All right, folks. I greatly appreciate it. And I will see you all next time. Thank you.